This is the intro to my new podcast, the On the Board podcast. It is a White Sox talk podcast. Uh, throughout the episodes, we will be doing uh, just different updates on the White Sox this season, um, what's going on with the organization, what's going on with the team, uh, some thoughts and opinions on the team, and we'll be joined with other people as well to get their opinions and thoughts on the team as well. Um, I'm very excited to get to work on this. I've been trying to think of a podcast idea for the longest time, and I'm finally putting it into motion. So without further ado, here's episode one of the On the Board podcast. That ball hit deep. Way back. Wells at the ball. Looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. All right. Let's start with the first half recap. Yes, sir. All right, so you started off with the, uh, you know, first place White Sox through uh, 89 games this season. They have the fourth best run differential, and they have an eight-game lead in the Central. Um, handled mostly by the pitching that they have had uh, mounted so far, just all around starting pitching, relief pitching, even with a suspect bullpen and points. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we flirted with having the best record in all of baseball for like an hour until the uh, Giants won later that afternoon. But I just think with all the injuries that we had, the whole team focus was just lead the division. And anything more than that should just be plus. I mean, we knew that we just need to make it to the playoffs and we just have to beat out Cleveland, which shouldn't be too hard. And as long as we get to the playoffs and get everyone healthy, we could beat anyone. So I think... A-plus start to the season for us. The fact that we're the first place in the AL, Cent- AL Central and the AL period, like I don't even care that we're just beating bad teams. We'll beat our better teams when our big sluggers are back. Yeah, and we have the best record in the AL as it stands uh, at the All-Star break. Um, things that you could look at is you also have uh, to look at just how good the Sox pitching is. Uh, they are in the top five of ba- – I think they're in the top – three of every statistical category related to pitching, like as a team, their earn runs, their ERA, um, their FIP. They have a team FIP of like 3.96 or something. I tweeted out today when I saw that. I mean, they're, they're starting pitching. Their pitching in general has been lights out, and that's why you see three players from the Sox and the three of them are pitchers uh, for the All-Star game. And I think a lot of that has been huge, especially with the revolving door of players in the outfield and at the around the diamond for them with all the injuries. So that's huge for them. Uh, it's why I, again, think they have the best record and they're in first place right now. I completely agree. It's been all pitching. I mean, I look up and down a rotation and all five of our starters, including uh, Kopech on some spot starts, you can make it six. I feel like we have the better starter going into that game, or at least I feel like we have a starter that can give us a chance to win. Last year, like you know, there was Geo and there was Keiko and there was a huge fall off with um, C struggling and Raylo starting and uh, Dane Dunning. I mean, it, it, you didn't really feel like you had a good shot to win three fifths of your games, but game in, game out, five out of five games, you feel like you have a starter that could uh, get a quality start and give your offense a chance to win the game. Yeah, no, I completely agree, especially when you're going to go in and have, I think, what, they have the 26 most home runs, which is awful for a team that's supposed to be slugging like crazy. You would have expected just, you know, better performance from them. But uh, 
you can't be too upset with the offense. They've been scoring runs and they've been keeping the run differential pretty high. Like I said, they have the fourth best run differential in the league. And two of the teams that have better run differential are out in the NL West, which happens to be the gauntlet. Um, so yeah. I think that, you know, especially with all the injuries, which I, I, as much as I hear everyone talk about all the other teams that have injuries, I just don't see the injuries being as uh, impactful to the starting lineup as it has been for the Sox. And the Sox, I have been fortunate enough to avoid any pitching injuries, any long-term injuries to pitchers, but that's also come with its long-term injuries to key bats and fielders and forcing a lot of just really just a, a crab shoot on who you're going to play in the lineup every day. Yeah, absolutely. We did lose Kopech for a little bit, which I think hurt, especially our bullpen. Like if we had a starter struggling and we had a five innings from guys like Ruiz or um, Burr has been amazing. He's been super good, but I mean, extended innings from guys like Hoyer and Marshall, just, it just hasn't been there, but yeah, like I said, you just got to give credit game in, game out. I mean, Geo has not been his best stuff. I mean, yeah. um, same thing with Dallas Keiko. He's still having some young struggles. But, I mean, again, game in, game out, even if they're not in their best stuff, everyone's battling and everyone's giving their team a chance to win. Yeah, I have it in my, my uh, season review for Dylan Cease thus far is that he continues to do exactly what Dylan Cease is known for, which is looking like he could be an absolute ace, $300 million arm, and then proceed to the absolute next day look like he probably shouldn't even be starting in a major league lineup. So uh, consistency across the board would be nice. Uh, even with Giolito, has been really underwhelming this year when you were expecting Lucas to be, you know, the guy. And he just really hasn't been that. And... I have some more comments on this season, obviously, when we go through the player um, grades as such. But, yeah, I, I big note was making note of how I don't think even Giolito's been that great yet. Um, but I did make a note as well to say, holy shit, Carlos Rodon, uh, on essentially like a minimum deal and taking that one-year deal and what probably will turn into a plus – hundred million dollar contract for him is a huge gamble for yourself and it pays off in spades for him. So yeah, he's been great in every metric you look at it. He's just been amazing. I believe he is a the best strikeout per walk strikeout to walk ratio of all the starters for the White Sox this year. It's either him or Lynn and I can't remember who had the better one. But yeah, it, it's been helpful to have guys like that step up. You're not going to have your starter go and uh, your, your ace go and be an ace. I mean, when you're expecting an ace, you expect them to have an ERA plus of 140 or higher. And Geo's had a 104 ERA or 103 ERA plus. But you can't complain. No one in the starting rotation, even Keichel, who hasn't been great this year, uh, is an ERA plus of 100, so he's league average, uh, park adjusted. And I mean, that's just like, that's, that's again, showing the depth of this team so far. Yeah. I mean, um, Rodon actually does have the best strikeout per walk out of all of our starters, but I mean, you hit it right on the nail. He has absolutely been the reason which makes Geo's, I guess, just okay for his standard season. 
that's what makes that excusable. Because, I mean, Gio is a hell of a number three pitcher. I mean, not many guys have their third best pitcher be as good as Giolito, even in an average season. Carlos Rodon has, in my opinion, been the best pitcher in the American League. I mean, Shane Bieber's had a little bit of injury troubles. Lynn was good for a while. I'm absolutely not putting Garrett Cole there. I mean, he Spider. he should be the he's the best pitcher in the American League in terms of starters. Like, just absolute a shit. I mean. He shut down the Astros. Like, he's the only starter that gave us half a chance in that series when we got swept. I mean, you saw him, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's going out there and getting out of six innings with only one or two runs and still throwing 100 miles per hour in, like, his 110th pitch. I mean, absolute A shit. I mean, he has been just phenomenal. I hope it pays him. I hope we extend him. I hope we give him the money he deserves. He He's obviously... Deserve, he deserves all of it. I mean, yeah, with everything he went yeah. through to get to where he's at, and he's still only 28. So, locking him up for like a six or seven year deal and putting a decent amount of money on that wouldn't even be a bad decision. I don't think you're not locking too much money up. I just don't want to get to a Garrett Cole situation where you're putting like 300 million into a pitcher. And I know he's not going to get that. So, it's not like anything too crazy about that. But I would definitely like to see them extend him. Um, but I was just thinking about it now with uh, the Rangers being as bad as they are and another pitcher who's been amazing in the AL, Kyle Gibson. Do you think the Sox tried to double fleece uh, the Rangers for two of the two best pitchers they had? I definitely wouldn't mind that. I mean, for me, are you talking about next year or the uh, deadline? You trade them for him at the end of this year and you get, you know, that way you can bump C's kind of out of a potential yeah. having to watch and see if he really does stick well in the playoffs. Because I don't know how much I really want. I believe in Cease to go for a playoff start, but yeah, for me, I I look at Michael Kopech, and that is a guy that is at one point or another going to cost two hundred million dollars. Like he's going to get a Garrett Cole contract or plus. He's just that fucking good. He needs to be in the rotation next year. He needs to be in the rotation in the playoffs, in my opinion, because you're. It's going to get to the point where you're either going to have to pay him so much, and it's going to be hard to feel the team around him or he's going to be elsewhere. So you have to get all of your buck for Michael Kopech at this point. So honestly, I think an extra starter could be used or could be get internally from Kopech. As long as he's in there, I really don't care. I mean, what else we find to put around him? I just think he is, every time I watch him, people just look stupid trying to hit him. Like the Orioles look absolutely yeah, stupid trying to hit him. It was like hilarious. Combine that with an absolutely filthy, filthy secondary pitch same arm slot and you get that i i saw i believe i was watching um i'm pretty sure it was pitching ninja did a little breakdown of one of his pitches and he had like 10 inch run on his fastball and then he oh, yeah that with like a, a 16 inch break on his curveball or slider whatever he calls it and it just it and it came out of the same arm slot and you get like 20 inches of break one it starts uh in the plate and goes wide and then one starts in the plate and drops off a clip that's yeah, tough, tough to hit that. Yeah, as um, when you got some of his starts in like the double header games, he used even more pitches. Like he used the curveball in addition to a slider more. He threw it like a little bit softer. He had a harder cutter that he threw too. He used a changeup a little bit. He mixed in so many pitches when he was uh, seeing batters multiple times to try to mix in more stuff. I mean, the dude's absolutely filthy. He's got a bag. Yeah, he's he's crazy. I honestly, I'm kind of okay with maybe keeping him in the bullpen 
in using him like Andrew Miller got used um, when he or when Cleveland made their huge run to the World Series and that ultimately ended up losing. Um, he when he just kind of you know lingered and basically would go and basically just eat innings and high leverage situations with him basically being a shutdown closer but also taking like nine out saves down the wire so I mean I think uh you could even see like Kopech run something like that with his stuff I don't know if I necessarily want him starting just because if he starts you don't get to use him in multiple games and if you keep him in the bullpen you can you can sling him in for two or three innings in two or three games during a series which I think is a lot more valuable uh especially with how uh, you know, the playoffs have gone and pitcher usage and dropping innings. So I think that would be huge for them. Yeah, I think so. If you, if you use them like that, I mean, if you have a guy like Gio or Keiko over like your third or fourth starter is that gets in a little bit of trouble early. I mean, I see no reason Kopech and um, Hendricks can't combine for four to five innings and just completely shut down the rest of the lineup. Yeah. I mean, after seeing a soft tossing lefty like uh, um, like Heichel, and then you throw in those two guys who are pumping hundred with like break off sliders who don't walk a lot of guys. I mean, I think a lot of teams would have trouble in that. I agree. Uh, also, so I'd touch on some a couple more points about just rounding out the uh, half of the season. Uh, the depth that the Sox have had with just guys after guys stepping up, no matter who comes in, just seeming always to find someone who can come in. I mean, hell, all the replacements that have come in so far have like basically OPS plus in the 130s and 140s when they were on and doing really well. And then once you send them down, you know, you don't need them to be as good anymore. But I just, yeah, it's I, depth on depth has been a huge huge thing and I think it's going to be crazy just how deep they're going to be for their 40 men it's crazy how much depth they have yeah I mean the list is insane like you start with Yerman and then you go to like guys like Engel and Mendick and Billy Hamilton and Goodwin and Lamb I mean all the guys that like we saw in the lineup in the beginning of the year and we're like what the hell is Tony doing like why is he playing these guys I mean just after April, I mean, they have all been producing, like every single one of them. And again, it's like, they're not necessarily all-stars. They're not going to single-handedly win a game, but they're doing everything that they can to put their team in a chance to win games. I mean, they're letting the starters do all the work and they're producing runs and they're doing what they need to do and get efficient at bats and making the right defensive plays. I just, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't be any happier with the way that our depth has been playing. Guys just stepped up, next man up mentality, and just produced all year. Yeah. And uh, there's just a stat that I saw. Uh, the Sox are the second team in our bet, which is basically a statistic talking about the uh, runs created uh, above average for the team. And having, you know, beaten second behind only the Astros, uh, who have been amazing this year, look like they could be a World Series team. Um, and I just think that it's that's it speaks to the depth again and just how well everyone's been hitting. And I just think uh, my my comment on the injuries is they probably need to fire some training staff members. I don't really I don't really see much of the uh, reason they still have some of them with all the soft tissue injuries. I understand that you know there's 
going to be more this year with, you know, the way everything went down. But I just think there's been so many soft tissue injuries that you just, you really need to take a look at maybe why we're getting them. Like, I think you'd be easy, right? Just stretch out. Yeah, I mean, Tim Anderson got put on a 10-day IL like the second week in the season for running the first base. Luis Robert is going to miss almost all of the regular season because he ran to first base. Um, Nick line. Madrigal is going to miss the rest of the entire season because he ran to first base. He has Monty Grandal is out for like a month and a half because he, he just swung at a pitch. He checks swung a pitch, yeah. I mean, these this these are not like weird freak injuries. I mean, these are like every like every game you have to run to first base. You have to take a swing. It's not like anything weird happened with like Eloy's was a freak injury where he just jumped over the wall like an idiot. I mean, I mean I, everyone else, there's it's you're training, you need to allow these players, like, you can't have players just dropping out of the lineup left and right because they're just doing everyday baseball moves. That's completely on the training staff, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I still don't even understand how Jimenez got hurt. I mean, he literally jumped up and put his arm on the wall, and I, people do it all the time. No one's ever, like, tore a rotator or, like, what did he even do? He, like, dislocated his shoulder. And that like only Eloy. I still don't know what the injury is. Wasn't it like a torn labrum or something like? Or it was, it's basically it's a it's an injury that happens to like players in football because of the fact that you're usually like blocking with your arms out, so people can hyperextend your arm backwards. And it that was basically the injury. Uh, it's a football injury. It's not a not supposed to be an injury that you see in baseball, but Eloy found a way. Yeah, I, I didn't even read what the injury was. I saw the tweet from the White Sox or someone reporting what Rickon said, and I saw the timeline, and I just threw up and didn't even read the rest of it. So, yeah. um, so now let's, uh, let's change our sights a little bit. Uh, let's start looking at the second half, what we want to see improved upon, what we think should be held on to. Um, some you know maybe potential trades that could be made where they could strengthen the team and uh you know just maybe even thinking starting to think about the 27 or 20 was it 28 man roster now for the playoffs yeah so uh 27 28 gonna have a lot of hard decisions to make if you get Eloy and Luis Robert back healthy for that time and you get Yasmani back you're gonna have some tough decisions to make and I really hope Zach Collins is not on the roster yeah, I mean, second half, what we're looking for, it's those three names you said right there. It's Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, and Yasmani Grandal. I mean, if those guys aren't um, back and healthy, I mean, I love the next man up, like, mentality, but, I mean, these Danny Mendek and, or Zach Collins in our starting lineup, no matter how surprised we are by them, they're just not going to beat the Houston Astros. They're just not going to put up runs with, like, the Dodgers and the Padres. It's, okay. it's just not going to happen. You got to get those three guys back and healthy. You got to get them back in the lineup and you got to get them back producing. Cause I mean, that was the, that was our plan the whole year. I mean, we weren't a really uh, deep team. I mean, obviously we have proved that wrong, but I mean, depth doesn't win in the playoffs. It's all about your big stars. Yeah, definitely. Star power is huge. Uh, when you're playing those short sprint three game, best of five series, first to three wins. You know, you got to you gotta have your team set and you got to be good. Uh, I, not that I don't think the Sox can't win with depth, but it's just going to be 
it's not going to be something you really want to test. Uh, and I honestly think that with a couple of trades or something, uh, that could be really huge for them to make a, you know, a couple good trades and a good decision. Also, <laughs> this guy just tried to reach over for a ball and he totally just ate shit over the fence. Poor um, little kid. It was, it was just a bad, bad decision. It was a Eloy Jimenez outfielding decision that I just watched. But yeah. But, I, uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, you regardless of who's in the lineups, you're not going to win uh, games if you're hitting the fifth fewest home runs in baseball. You're not going to win playoff games. You're not going to be able to put up runs with the Astros and, like I said, the Padres if we get to the World Series. I mean, it's just not going to happen. We need guys in the ball out of the ballpark. We need Yaz turning and bat flipping again. We need Eloy. We need uh, we need Robert. We need maybe a trade or two, but – we need that lineup loaded. We need the ball hitting out of the ballpark. We need to get a Brayu a little bit more protection. Mancada a little more protection so we can start hitting the ball out. I think you got to, when you want to look for protection, you got to start with actually producing a little more yourself. Uh, Brayu's really done a lot to change this season from looking really, really poor to uh, recently heating up and making this stat line look just a little bit more respectable for uh, the season. But I, I, him and Moncada, while being good, they've just not been as good as you'd like them to be. And yeah, it could come down to not having the best, you know, bats in front of them helping protect. You know, you're not going to have the bat of Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez behind you to cover, but you got to still be able to hit the ball. And if, you know, we're putting stock in the two guys, Yohan uh, Moncada, who's on pace for over a five war season. And Jose Abreu, the former MVP, you need, you need them to be firing on all cylinders more than they were. Uh, obviously, I think Mancada is the different story. I think he's been fantastic. I'd just like to see him produce some power numbers. But other than that, he's been great, aside from starting to trickle off a little bit towards the end. But I think that's some lingering issues with injuries and whatnot. And I think uh, with improvements from Jose Abreu and maybe like Lucas Pilito starting to really take it up and becoming that ace we need, I think that it could just really, really, really turn them from a team that can really beat up on those crappy teams and hang around and, you know, play 500 ball with everyone else to being a team that can play, you know, 550 to 600 ball against winning teams and 750 ball against losing teams. Um, Like, that's just what you want to see from them. If you want them to try and lock up like a hundred win season and possibly the one seed, that's something you need to look for for them for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I will come into defense for Jose Abreu a little bit. I mean, for a bad start of a season, he's still on pace for 30 home runs and 130 RBIs and he's batting 250. But I do agree. I mean, this team, this team could go as far as Jose Abreu takes them. I mean, if this guy, is the AL MVP again, or even like a top three player in the MLB. I mean, he's just the heart and soul of this ball club. He'll, he'll, this team will go as far as Jose Abreu can take some. In terms of Yohan Moncada, I agree. I, I like that he's starting to get on base. He's kind of looking like Yaz in the beginning of the season where he's just walking and he's seeing a lot of pitches. And I hope he's just about to turn that corner just like Yaz did, where he's just seeing the ball so much better and he's seeing better pitching. He just starts taking stuff out of the ballpark because I mean, five home runs through the All-Star break just is not going to cut it from what's who's probably our second biggest power bet in our lineup right now. Third, I'd say, behind Tim Anderson. Vaughn probably now? Yeah, Vaughn too. I, I 
the more and more Yohan Mankata refuses to hit home runs, the more and more I just don't think of him as a power hitter anymore. I think of him as a guy with, you know, gap uh, potential, and he's going to hit you line drive after line drive. But in terms of home run power, he has it. He just – he hasn't really decided to put that launch angle on the play. And as much as you can get on him about that, there's a reason Yohan Mankata's BABIP is like 400, and it's because he laces line drives everywhere and he sprays them across the field. He's hard yeah. to shift against, and he has – just a great hard hit and he has a really good line drive rate. Um, so you'd like to see him start to hit a couple more home runs, but I don't think it'd be the end of the world if he doesn't. I just really am looking to see Jose Abreu start to hit some more home runs and get up towards the 40 home run mark. I think 30 home runs is great, but I think he could be a 40 home run guy, especially if you're going to hit 250. I think that's something you should really be, you know, you should be jacking more home runs if you're going to hit 250 kind of thinking along the lines of what Ichiro used to say is that he could hit way more home runs if he decided he didn't want to be a guy who was trying to bat 380 every year but he decided to start poking the ball around so if you want to bat 250 that's fine I think there's plenty of value in being a 250 hitter with 40 home runs and 130 plus RBIs so I think again I just like to see him bump up those power numbers a little bit or start getting a little more average uh, just get on base a little more He's not looked great at in terms of seeing the ball amazingly, too. He looks like every time he gets a slider, he just really can't hit it. And uh, he was pounding them last year. So that's kind of, you know, the big thing that I'm looking for from him. Yeah, I agree. I think he – I mean, he has a huge August and September every year. I mean, it's the later the season goes, the more he turns it off. So I'll expect that of him. He's been around. He's the second most – tenured player on our team other than Larry. So, um, I mean, he knows what it's like. He's never obviously hasn't played postseason, ba postseason baseball that much being on the Sox, but I mean, he knows what it's like to turn it up around as the season goes. I have faith in him. Yeah. He's a warm, warm guy, warm hitter, likes the warm weather and it's getting to get warm and consistently warm. So I, I do expect him to turn, turn it up. I'm not too worried about him. Uh, my biggest concern lies mostly with Lucas Giolito. Um, and I have some comments again about him and some more stuff that I'd talk about in this player review. But I mean, aside from that, you see maybe like a trade or two, get a second baseman um, to bolster that fielding. Maybe a guy like Adam Frazier, maybe you try and get Adam Frazier and Rich Rodriguez. I, I don't know if that's your if that's what you end up doing, I think that, you know, combination of players is exactly what you need, a solid second baseman and then a, you know, very good closer on just a bad team. Uh, those are what you're going to have to look for. And I think that the Sox can find that. Maybe the Cubs want to sell and they start, you know, dropping price for Chris Bryant and maybe we could see him in a Sox uniform and he plays basically any position you could put him on. So I'd be excited to see what they're going to do. I wouldn't put it past them to not make any moves either, but you know, let's it's here's the hoping. Yeah, I think at the minimum they need a bullpen arm. I mean, even if even if they are confident in Yaz and Robert and Eloy coming back to like fill out the lineup that they don't need any more bats, I think at the minimum they need a bullpen arm. It's just way too depleted. It doesn't need to be an, an all-star closer, but at least a setup man you could trust to get you to Hendricks or because he's just been absolute ace and um, 
like you said, Adam Frazier, that's a name I really like. Uh, Trevor Story, I'd be a little worried about him changing positions, but obviously the potential in that bat is insane. I, Watching I'm him in the home run derby right now. Yeah, he's – the thing is, Story has been a plus defender, honestly, for his career. He, you wouldn't think about yeah. it that way, but he's got great range. So I honestly think putting him at second base, he'd be just fine. I don't think that he's going to be a, you know, Yohan Mankata where you put him at second base and all that he can't hit for shit. And then all of a sudden you move him to third base, and all of a sudden he becomes an all star player. So I think he'd be fine. Uh, but I think he'd be a little pricey uh, just because he is probably, you know, a little more of a high you know, high ceiling guy as opposed to Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier is kind of like a Tommy Lasella type player you trade for. Who, you yeah. know, you get on base a bunch and he's going to be a good fielder, but he's not really anything to stick your head out and write home about. But Trevor's story, definitely a little different with that. Yeah, story could be pricey in either like the money sense or prospect sense. Like, I don't know if we have the prospects to get a guy like him. I'm not sure what other people are paying for him or what his price tag will be, but I have a hard time believing the Rockies want to get rid of him if they don't get rid of that Corey Dickerson contract. Um, the biggest trade for me right now, um, I'm really worried about Yaz coming back and not being able to catch, at least not every game. Um, I will live with um, Larry Garcia or Danny Mendick at second base in a playoff game. I do not want Zach Collins starting a playoff game at catcher. He cannot catch. I don't like him hitting against half of the pitchers, anyone throwing lefty. I just – I'm worried shitless that he has to start a playoff game. I think catcher is honestly a bigger priority, especially if Yasmani Grandal with his knee injury can't catch every single game than second base or right field. I think with all the outfielders and second basemen that we have, we could platoon them to make sure we're always lefty-righty matchup. And especially with the deeper postseason roster, I think we could piece together guys, you know, build guys in the aggregate and have multiple guys in left field or right field. But I just, I don't like Collins or, I think Sebi's doing fine, but I honestly don't want him to start a playoff game. I have no issue with Sebi starting a playoff game. And here's why. I honestly, he, so far, at least from my eye test, I, I don't know from like statistically speaking yet, uh, it's a small sample size, but he, he's looked pretty good in terms of his fielding catching. He looks like he's doing pretty well framing. He's done a good job calling games. Um, I really just think that, you know, if there's a position to eat bad, you know, bad hitting, catcher is okay to do that. That's the position you are expecting to get worse hitting from. That's why Yasmani Grandal and, you know, JT Romuto are just the two best catchers in baseball because they're great defensive catchers and can hit the ball well. Um, you're looking more for a guy like, you know, Martin Maldonado, maybe who's, you know, maybe not the best hitter and, you know, has his issues, but you definitely get the fielding out of him. And that's kind of what you want to see out of Sevy. I think if you want to run him out of the playoffs, I'd agree though. I'd like to see them trade for someone. Um, maybe get a catcher like Jan Gomes. Uh, if the Nationals are still sinking and they, the only problem is they're in that AL East and that AL East or NL East is God, so bad. Yeah, I uh, really like Tucker Barnhart out of Cincinnati, but they just had a really, they had a really good series win at Milwaukee. I mean, so I feel like they're going to be buyers, if anything, and try to get some bullpen help themselves to try and make a playoff run. So I'm not sure if we get him. 
But yeah, I mean, I agree. Right now, I'd rather have Sebi in my lineup, in a playoff lineup, than Zach Collins. I mean, I know the bat just isn't there. I'll take an 0 for 4 out of the 8 or 9 spot and just know that my catcher back there is going to be blocking, my catcher is framing, and receiving. I mean, Zach Collins does like a reverse frame. I mean, catches it out of the he, zone. he catches it in the zone and brings it out. And same with blocking. He does a reverse block. Like he takes a ball that's in the dirt and isn't going to go far away. And he'll like make sure it hits off like his kneecap or something and goes an extra 15 feet away. Yeah, he's, he's not been great. He started the year well, and I thought he was starting to turn a corner. I think, honestly, if he just – I think it's a uh, – I want to – I don't want to say it's a lack of effort, but I do think that catching in large part is just a lot of effort. Being willing to put yourself in, like, very uncomfortable positions a lot of the time, and I just don't know if he's fully accepting of that. I have no issue with him being on maybe the postseason roster and trying to run him out as, like, a pinch hitter or platoon guy. But I'd also rather see a couple bullpen arms instead of him on the team. So, I yeah, I definitely don't know how I'd feel about him. Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely crushing right-handed hitting. So, maybe a, a left-handed pinch hit at bat. Like, maybe if we have, like, Danny Mendick starting at second base, like, put him in and then throw Larry uh, for him. Like, I wouldn't mind that if we have a postseason spot for that. But yeah, I agree. I, I just don't want him catching right now. Anymore. Do you want to move on to our player grades for the season so far? This is supposed to be the yeah, longest, and, and we've done a decent amount of uh, talking about the prior stuff, so I'll try and run through it a little faster than what I was originally going to do. But uh, let's start off with the guy we were just talking a bit about, Yasmani Bernal. Maybe a little bit about him. Yeah, I'll um, I'll give him an A. I mean. Uh, we're paying him to be the best catcher in baseball. And this year, I think he was the best catcher in baseball, um, at least through the half to where he got injured. I mean, he started a little bit slow. He wasn't getting a lot of hits. He did have a little bit of injury in spring training. But, I mean, through the month, end of May through June and July, he's been the best hitter on our team. He's carried the team. He had a couple um, catching interference calls early that were stupid. But other than that, he's been a monster behind the plate. I mean, He's done exactly what we wanted to do, and that's to be the best catcher in baseball. Yeah, I also have him down for an A, 130 OPS plus 1.8 war, and he became a huge part of that offense, and I just think we're going to notice how much – I honestly think he might not be the most valuable player on the team, but damn, if he's not probably going to be the most important player on this team, and I think we're just really going to see that, um, you know, as we kind of have to watch the Sox play without him. So I'm not looking forward to it, but I am, you know, going to give him that A. I wouldn't say he was the best catcher in baseball. Honestly, I'd say that maybe like Buster Posey in the National League has been looking like MVP Buster Posey uh, For sure. out there. And somehow, I'll say American League, best pitcher or best catcher in American League. I, yeah, I'd agree with that. I Yeah. I don't know what San Francisco's got. They got the fountain of youth over there. Every single player that should be bad and old. Is all of a sudden good this year. Brandon Crawford, too, yeah. I think we need to stop doing foreign substance checks and start looking for steroids over there. <laughs> for real. All right, let's move on to Carlos Rodon. Dude, A, A plus. Like, I don't know what the highest grade you could give someone in the scale is. Like, A plus, 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 plus. I mean, this is a guy that was non-tenured. We're paying him nothing. We're, he was supposed to be a, our fifth starter. 
and probably just eat innings and try to stay healthy and try to get Kopech in the rotation because we know Kopech's not ready to go 200 innings. I mean, he was not in the long-term plans of this team. This was probably going to be his last year in the team. And he's just been the best pitcher in American League, other, maybe in baseball other than DeGrom. I mean, absolute A-shit. Yeah, I have him as well with an A-plus. Uh, just a few numbers to run through here. Uh, 2.35 fifth, a 185 ERA plus, a 231 ERA, so the fifth in ERA lineup. So it tells you it's not really luck that he's sitting where he's at. He's just pitching that good. And other numbers to back that up, his whip, 0.959. Uh, crazy. Anytime you can allow less than a hit or a walk per inning, you're not going to give up many runs, and you're going to be pretty damn hard to score runs against. He's 13 Ks per nine is just ridiculous if you're averaging that. That's a closer type, uh, you know, how it's going. Like Liam Hendricks yeah. has, I think, a 15 K per nine or something like that. And he's just been, you know, he's got the same K per nine as Michael Kopech. And we think of Michael Kopech as being a guy who is an easy Cy Young candidate. Uh, so, just, you know, his stuff is crazy. He's got a five strikeout to walk ratio. He's fifth among pitcher war, not including Otani. You got to take him out because Otani yeah. can do too much. It's unfair. But, uh, yeah, fifth in pitcher war, second in whip among all pitchers except for DeGrom. Uh, 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 he doesn't technically qualify for that, but I'd say, you know, take two innings under, I think he'd be okay to say that I still think you'd stay in the same area and I don't think anyone else becomes eligible that's like a closer that moves into that. Um, he is, his K per nine is only behind DeGrom, Cole, and Ray. Uh, and he's third in the uh, AL with an ERA plus, with his ERA plus. I mean, and, and someone who has a better ERA plus is the next guy we'll talk about, Lance Lynn. Yeah, really back to, really quick back to Rodano, really quick. I was thinking it's, Worth noting that he's the only pitcher in baseball, at least that I have seen, whose spin rate has gone up since the sticky substance ban. Like everyone else across all teams in baseball have at least a little drop in their spin rate, and his has gotten better, actually. He just keeps throwing harder. Yep, and he – my favorite quote of the season is, I'm a big motherfucker, and that's – or big bastard, was that the quote? He's a big bastard. That's how he can throw – 110, 120 pitches and do this every start. And it's some guy that I just almost feel like super comfortable watching go out there and just know, yeah, if he gets roughed up, he's still going to go out there after he gets roughed up. For, let's say he gives up three runs in an inning or something. You know he's going to come back out and lock it down for the rest of the day. Uh, he is the, you know, AL hits per nine leader. He's the ERA leader. He's seventh in K per nine, third in pitcher war. Again, no Otani in that. Second in whip and AL leader in ERA plus. Uh, and he's second in adjusted pitching wins. Uh, there's just every statistical category points to him just being an absolute beast, and that's because he is. So, yeah, I mean, all the stats are all in his favor, and stuff that doesn't show up in the stats is he just fucking goes out there and competes night in and night out. Like, he's not scared of a challenge. He's not scared of any team. When he doesn't have his best stuff, he's still throwing out there and showing all of his motion and putting everything in every pitch he's got and dude just competes. He like fires up the team. Yeah. He's, he's been insane. Him and uh, Liam Hendricks have basically the most South side energy of all time. And I just think that uh, they're, 
combined, because uh, Hendricks again will be the next person we're going to talk about here, uh, just really give off the you know south side vibe. Yeah, I don't know if we gave. I don't know if I gave a grade for Lynn. I'd give him an A plus, considering what we tra- we traded Dane Dunning for him, and he was supposed to be our third starter, and he's just been one of the best three or four pitches in the American League. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's been great. Um, move on to Liam uh, Liam Hendricks, another All Star. So we'll go through their three All Stars on the pitching side real quick. Uh, grade for Hendricks would be an A. He's got the most games played. Um, he is a 2.75 ERA, uh, second in saves. MLB's highest K per walk of any closer, nearly over a six di- difference between the next one, and that's Rich Rod. And then his ERA plus is 156. And, I mean, he's got a one war at a, as a closer, which is just, you know, at the break is great. It's phenomenal. Um, the only thing I, I have any criticism for is he does have he does like to give up the long ball a little too much this year. And that's, I think that's why his FIP is just a little bit um, off from his, you know, ERA. But I don't think that there's any closer in baseball I'd rather have, aside from maybe Josh Hader, maybe. But otherwise, I think Liam Hendricks is pretty much a top three closer in the game. And I think, again, just the only other player that you'd want to see them add really badly as another closer would be Rich Rodriguez, who's also looked, you know, in some ways comparable to having a similar season. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a top two closer in baseball. I'd probably give him an A, maybe an A minus, just for that reason that he does give up the long ball a little bit too much. But honestly, I'd rather have him give a home run like once every like 10 save opportunities than be a closer that just goes around and fucks around and doesn't throw strikes and walks guys and gives up hits. And it's just a fucking heart attack, like, every time that he goes in for a close, just like Alex Kalamit. I mean, every time they're doodling out there, it's like, you. there's no comfortable saves. I mean, Hendricks goes out there, and he pumps 100 right at someone's, right up in the zone, right down the middle. He says, come and hit it. And nine times out of ten, the other team doesn't hit it. Sometimes they hit a long ball, and I get pissed off. But, I mean, he, he just, again, he's kind of the guy that just has that south side. I mean, he... Again, all the, like super nice stats. I mean, the guy just goes out there and competes. He says, "Here's my best stuff. Come and hit it," and he he wins nine times out of ten. Yeah, um, I agree. I just yeah, great. Can't you know? Can't complain. Uh, worth the money uh, in terms of what they spent on him. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next guy. We'll do Jose Ruiz. So I'd like to see what your grade for him is. I feel like we might have very different grades of Jose Ruiz. And I feel like I may have a different opinion than a lot of people do. Yeah, I mean, I, I see on Twitter, everyone shits on Jose Ruiz. But, I mean, the dude's our eighth um, bullpen arm. Like, he's not supposed to be pitching in high leverage situations. I mean, he's, for a long reliever, a guy that we put in when our starter sucks. I mean, I've never seen him. I don't think I've seen him give up multiple runs. I mean, like, sometimes he give up once, sometimes he give up a couple hits. I'd probably give him a solid B, maybe B minus, B plus, somewhere in there, just because, I mean, dude does his job. He's not supposed to be elite. We're not paying him to be elite. He's not in a role to be elite. Yeah, so I I actually have Jose Ruiz as an A plus grade. Ooh. And this is this is why. We know exactly what he is. His job is to eat up all the innings. He is an ERA plus of 139. He is 
got 35 innings. Yeah, it's in dead ball, but you got someone's got to eat those innings. And sometimes he does come in in like some, you know, clutch situations and, you know, where we need to hold for the innings five, six, maybe because Giolito doesn't have a good game or whatever. And you just need someone to like carry that baton. And I just think that someone's got to take those innings. And if you're going to have a guy who's doing it and you you want to complain about the guy, but he's 1.4 times better than the average player with his ERA plus, I'll take that 100 times out of 100. He's been nothing but fantastic. Um, and I really can't complain about him at all. And I, I think anyone really complaining about him is taking what he does and looking at him as being on par with like Leo Hendricks or Aaron Bummer. And that's just an unfair position to put him in because that's not his job. And if you're looking at him for what his job is, just like I would say Yerman Mercedes also had an A-plus grade, it's not because Yerman Mercedes was the best player on the team or anything like that. It's because for the job that they do, I believe that he's – in A plus, you can't find many people who just do their job as well as he does. Yeah, same thing with Yerman. I'd probably go A A plus. I mean, I know we fell off hard, but I mean, we aren't where we are right now if Yerman does not have the April that he has. I mean, he was. I know Trout won, but in my opinion, he should have been the American League Player of the Month. I mean, the dude was hitting 450. I mean, he had five or six home runs. The dude completely carried our lineup when guys are like like Yoan and um, Abreu were starting off a little bit slow. I mean, next man up mentality. I mean, Eloy, um, who's going to miss probably April, May, June, July, four months. I mean, he completely ate one-fourth of um, Eloy's missed time and – could not have done any better. And I don't think you could ask any more out of that guy. Yeah, I, again, with the months he turns in, uh, you're not where you're at right now without him. And I think just that alone, I mean, and he'll probably come back up and during the year still. I think he'll still find his way onto the team, uh, pick up some more at-bats, maybe during an injury or maybe just as a, you know, if someone starts to struggle. Uh, maybe like a Danny Mendick if you need to just put him down because Danny Mendick's been <laughs> kind of bad since the beginning of the year. Uh, I'm not going to complain too much because I you know, I know he's just the utility guy and he's not getting paid to do crazy stuff, but he's just, you know, he has been kind of worse for wear as well going down towards the end of the year. Yeah, Mendick, I think, is a guy where, I mean, you just love him. He's kind of Next man up again. He's done everything you could have possibly wanted him to do. He's not a playoff baseball player. He's not an all-star. He's a guy that will be serviceable for about a month, you know, if you ever have an injury. A guy like Anderson or Mancata or, as we've seen, Nick Magical goes down. He'll be serviceable for a month. But he's obviously not – I don't think he's a guy you want to take with you into the uh, the postseason and rely on them game in and game out. Yeah. Uh, let's go and talk about Aaron Bummer so far this year. Uh, what do you have him graded at? I I don't even know. I mean, he stresses me out every time he pitches. I mean, he's had really bad zone trouble. But I don't know how many times the guy, like, made a great pitch and the guy hit, like, a six-foot ground ball. It was just, like, a perfect swinging bunt. And he just got on and we couldn't make a play or 
again, just weak ground balls that forced errors, and he just got super unlucky. I mean, it'd almost be better like other guys hit him a little bit harder. I mean, to start, I'd probably give him like a C, C minus. I mean, the numbers aren't quite what we need him to be. I hope he figures out his injury. I hope he gets healthy and. It seemed like he was starting to turn it around. So I think he'll have a much better second half. But I think uh, his uh, first half performance is a little underwhelming. I'd agree, but I still have him at a B plus. And some statistics that I found on him for my reasoning is his ERA plus is 132. Uh, his FIP is 2.97. His Ks per nine are 12.8. And his ERA is 3.26. And my, my note was that based on last year, yeah, I expect him to be better. Last year, he looked like a closer, essentially. And if, like, they wanted to run him at closer, that would have been very fine. Uh, he's definitely had some control issues, but his uh, fielding independent pitching uh, numbers are good. His strikeouts per nine are good. Uh, he just really needs to focus on not walking as many people because that's right now it's his biggest issue. If he gets control over the zone again, look for him to drop his ERA into the two, maybe like a 2.8 by the end of the year. And if you can get a 2.8 out of a setup guy, I think that is, you know, fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I would expect a big second half for him. I think he's going to turn it around. I think he'll get his control down. I think if um, you get one other bullpen arm, I, I think Rodriguez would be an amazing add if you get a guy like him to go righty lefty with a guy like Bummer to both be set up men for Hendricks. I'm feeling pretty good with that. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, let's move on to Michael Kopech. I think we both will have the same grade on this. And I think uh, anyone that's watched the Sox play this year has the same grade that we'll have here, but you know, let's just run through it real quick. Yeah. A plus, no doubt. Dude has been lights out unhittable. I mean, right now I feel like he should be our setup man. Like there's, if I need three outs or six outs or nine outs, I mean, Michael Kopech is the guy I'm going to. His stuff is just unhittable. I mean, he's had a little bit of trouble um, in some spots, but I mean, from a young arm that who hasn't played in two years, I mean, it's going to happen. I can't believe how good he is. The dude's throwing 99, 100. His delivery looks fucking sick. The man bun looks fucking sick. Everything he does is just dirty and disgusting. I just love watching a pitch. Probably my favorite pitcher to watch a pitch right now. Yep, I uh, have dirty, unhittable, and then that's just the eye test. His uh, stats are amazing. 281 ERA plus, that's ridiculous. 2.4 FIPS, not great. And it misses off of his ERA by about a point. But 13 Ks per nine, his whip is under one at 9.34, and his ERA is 153. And that's also saying that he'll take some starts in there too. So he's, he's doing basically anything that you thought he was before. He's doing that, and I think it's – been huge for him yeah like I said earlier this is a guy that just we need to be maximizing on our on our uh usage of this guy before he becomes the most expensive pitcher in baseball because I believe he will be that whether it's us paying him or someone else maybe Mark Cuban's owning this team and then we give him a 300 million dollar contract but he deserves it like he he there's no one with more potential in baseball right now we need to be using him whether it's in high leverage moments out of the bullpen or remove him to the rotation. I think he needs to be in the rotation next year. We got to start capitalizing on this guy because he's just that good. Yeah, I think his uh, my comparison to player is probably very much Jacob DeGrom. Both Absolutely. Both in uh, 80, you know, 80 grade fastball uh, and 80 grades setup pitch, you know, secondary pitch. 
And if you have two 80s that just wipe out and strike people out, you get your fastball up in the hundreds, uh, both of them can. You're just not going to get hit much. And I think uh, if Kopech can, you know, turn even a little bit like that, he's just going to be younger than DeGrom was. DeGrom wasn't supposed to be this good, and Kopech was. So is it uh, fair to put the expectation of being the next Jacob DeGrom on him? Probably. But could he do it? Absolutely. Um, look for him to have, again, just stellar second half. And I think maybe even start a playoff game for the Sox. Uh, that comes to comes to pass. Let's talk about uh, Garrett Crochet then. Yeah, Garrett Crochet, I mean, kind of the same thing as Kopech. I mean, all the talent in the world, I'd probably I'd probably put him at a B plus. I mean, maybe an A minus. He's he's like again, other than Kopech, probably the most reliable bullpen arm on our team. Um I just I feel comfortable every time he goes in more than like Bummer or Marshall or Hoy or anyone like that. He has um, struggled with his velo a little bit. I mean, when he goes out there and only throws 95, he's just not as good. Like, that's just true. Like last year when he was throwing 102 with that like wipeout slider in the playoffs, he was unhittable. When you knock it down to 95, I don't think his slider is that good where you're just wiping out and knowing his, uh, People are, as we saw with the uh, Astros, I mean, he kept throwing that slider and he couldn't get the velo up and he just got pelted. But I'd probably give him a B plus. I, I feel really comfortable most times that he's in there. I do want to see his velo come up and um, make that slider just look better in the second half. Yeah, um, I also had Crochet to be uh, 163 RA plus. Shaky command at times and his velo's down. Uh, my one concern is if he's just going to be a bullpen arm for them. I know they want to make him a starter and I know they want to stretch him out. So if they're trying to do what they did with Chris Sale, which is drop that, you know, below down, try and focus on control, which the one thing I am like kind of nervous about is his command still shaky and he's throwing three and four miles per hour less than he was last year. And he's averaging three miles per hour lower. I'm just hoping it's not because, you know, he's actually hurt. I'm hoping it's because it was a game plan to, you know, try and drop him to that. Um, but he's got a 2.95 FIP, a 139 whip, K per nine of 11.5 is fastball. Yeah, again, 75, 80 grade fastball. And then that slider is honestly might be the best slider on the team. I know Rodon has a really good one, and I know that Kopech does, but Crochet's just just goes when he throws it. But, uh, you know, and also just a quick comment. I, I hate the Royals as much as the next guy, but I feel so bad for Salvador Perez having to follow up Pete Alonso after he hits 35 home runs. That's just – that just can't be fun. I wouldn't even take my swings. I'd be like, you know what? It was fun. Yeah, what do you do? How do you pace yourself? I saw, I'm, I'm, he's got to be tired, right? There's no way he can do this again. I mean, he won one, though, so I think he obviously knows how to do this. So I just – maybe he's like yeah. – knew he knew how to condition himself to be swinging for, you know, eight hours straight, I guess. But God, yeah. Yeah. And he was, I have no problem seeing Perez get absolutely crapped on. I hope he only hits like five of them and loses by 30. Yeah, he was concourse shot after concourse shot, too. It's not like he was poking balls over the fence. Perez is moving. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about Ryan Burr. I think we'll have some quick stuff to talk about, even though he hasn't pitched too many innings for them. Um, small yeah. size, but. I think A plus. I mean, I was in the game for Seattle when we had the uh, 
we had a, I think, it, no, it was the Rays series where um, we took the best record in the American League and the best record in baseball. We went into extra innings and we had the stupid runner goes on second base rule. And even with the runner on second, got three straight outs, didn't allow any runs. I don't remember how long the streak went where he didn't allow any runs, but I mean, this is a guy kind of like Ruiz, you expect absolutely nothing out of, like just try to beat innings and he's done that and more. He's pitched in high leverage situations. He's been a guy you can trust out of the bullpen, which is saying a lot for a bullpen. Can't say much more. Been way, way over expectations. Yep. Uh, A-plus coming off major arm surgery a couple years ago when he was pitching, not bad, but he wasn't, you know, he was a guy that you thought would be like a middle reliever for us, maybe a couple years down the line, you know, younger guy trotting out there doing, you know, three, four ERA work out of the middle relief, you know, guy who could eat some innings, not going to be particularly great. And then, you know, he comes out here and he drops a 401 ERA plus and a 780 whip and his K per walk is low, but his FIP is, you know, not great, but his ERA is 108. So it doesn't really matter, does it? Because, you know, in 16.2 innings, he's only allowed two earned runs. Do I think he'll probably allow a few more runs? Maybe. Uh, let's just hope he doesn't get screwed out of calls as badly as he was getting screwed out the other day. Um, because otherwise, I think he'll be great. Well, that was terrible. The ump missed back-to-back straight threes. It was against Detroit, right? hmm Yep. Yeah, I don't think you could have asked him for any more. Yeah, no, he's been fantastic. Uh, let's move on. Let's get the uh, sole all-star for the field for our team. Let's go on Tim Anderson. Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably give him an A-. minus. I know, kind of like Mankata, I kind of wish he'd hit the ball out a little bit more. I don't think he hit his home run total from last year yet. And obviously, that was a 60-game season as opposed to the, what was it, 88 that we've played so far. So I can see a little more bombs out of him, a little more pop. He missed a little bit of time early, but over that, I mean, Tim Anderson just hits. He just gets on base and he's, I mean, he did a little under 300 and didn't quite make the all-star belt the first time. And he said, all right, just watch me go on a hit streak and bring my average all the way up to 310. I mean, he's he's stealing some bases. He's getting extra base hits. I like to see the ball come out, but I mean, again, the guy just hits and he gets on base and he scores. Yeah, I, I have him at a B plus. I it's been shaky at times. He hasn't been, you know, not shaky. You know, he's guy he's gonna get you bad team three hundred, but he's never gonna be, you know, a crazy OBP guy. And he hasn't really been hitting for the power that he's been, you know, so far kind of becoming known for is that little bit of pop in that bet. But you know, he's still sporting a one fourteen uh, OPS plus and he has a two point two war right now, which is pacing for around a three point seven uh almost four war season. And if you get a four-war season, you are an all-star. That is just about where you're, you're aiming to be. And, uh, you know, it's one of the best shortstops in the AL. I couldn't be happier with how he's played. Um, yep, he's got an all-star appearance. That's pretty much all All speaks for itself. I agree. He's an all-star. Deserves it. Hard and soulless. All the energy. I love him. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Brian Goodwin. Yeah, Goodwin. I mean, I feel like a broken record saying this, but a guy you expect absolutely nothing out of just doing way overperforming. I'd probably give him a A plus. I mean, a guy that's absolutely master right. He's I can't believe that a guy that the Pirates cut is currently the cleanup hitter for the best team in the American League, but he he is. He's played a great center field, great right field. 
He um, is producing all parts of the lineup, the back, the middle, the top. I mean, hit him anywhere. The guy just produces. Yeah, so I also have him as an A-plus. Uh, what a signing in his splits for platoon guy. is fantastic. He's rocking a 137 OPS plus. And his OPS is 864. And I remember reading somewhere that uh, the average Hall of Famer OPS for a career is around 800, uh, a little over 800. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to get yeah, a season, you know, 70, 80 games worth of that level of play, you know, that's uh, from a guy you signed to basically fill in once Robert went down. That is more than enough. I, again, couldn't be happier. He's played well in the field. Fantastic platoon uh, bat. He's been hitting home runs, too. He's been he's been great. I love it. Uh, we'll then talk about another guy who I think has been platooning really well, uh, Jake or Rake Lamb, as people have started to refer to him. Uh, I haven't had a B plus, A minus with a rough start to the year. Not really his fault. He was getting a little too much playing time, uh, like full on just playing every day. And that's just not really where he's, he's going to play. You know, he's a guy who mashes from one side. He mashes one side of pitching. And when he does that, he is absolutely really good. He's just all-star level player. And then when he goes to the faces, you know, his non-platoon side, Completely different story, but uh, 110 OPS plus, great, uh, another good signing for a depth piece. You love to see it. Yeah, I agree. For a depth piece, not an everyday guy, but a guy that maybe you could pinch hit against a righty bullpen arm late in the game or put him in for a righty starter. I mean, he's not a plus outfielder, but I like that you could play him in either corner outfield position. You could play him at third, you could play him at first. Obviously, you could DH him. He finds his way into lineups, and he's been big at times. He's Started out really slow. It was like an F start. I mean, dude couldn't hit shit, but I mean, I'd probably give him around the same thing. Probably a solid B. He's a guy I probably want on this team come postseason. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, next up, we'll talk about a guy who I'm pretty sure you're going to have the same grade for, uh, Billy Hamilton. Let's talk about him. Yeah, I'd probably go A. I mean, another guy just you didn't expect anything out of him. He was a guy that was cut. I think by Cleveland and just signed as like a guy not thinking you'd ever need all of a sudden your outfield goes down and you need him and he's just produced. I mean, he struggled with the bat a little, but then he started hitting some pop. He was finding gaps. He's in homers. He's in doubles. He gets on base. He steals second. He steals third. He's a sack fly away from scoring. No matter how shallow the fly ball is, he's been an amazing defensive player. He's just been super fun too. I mean, fan favorite. Everyone likes watching him. Yeah, I uh, I have him in an A plus. Uh, one of my favorite players this year. Uh, he's provided a lot of fun. He isn't, you know, Billy Billy the hitter. Uh, he's not really a guy who you ever expect to be putting up crazy numbers. I think his like career OPS plus is somewhere in like the forties or something. And this year he's got I, I think like an eighty OPS plus, eighty two OPS plus. I mean, with eighty you know eighty grade speed, excellent glove. He's worth having, you know, on the roster for a postseason spot. A guy who can come in, pinch run for you, maybe go in and play some, you know, A-plus defense. Guy has been fantastic. Another great signing. Well scouted. Couldn't complain about him at all. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's talk about Jose Abreu. Um, I'd probably go C, C-plus. I think it's – all the White Sox fans and Jose Abreu himself would agree that he needs to be better, especially come playoff time. 
and I think he will. But even for having a down start to the season, like we said earlier, batting 250 on pace for like 130 RBIs, 28 to 30 home runs. That's not a terrible start to the season, but I agree. I think we all agree he needs to do a little bit better. Yeah, I have him in a C as well. And this is another one of those, like, obviously it's a sliding scale. Uh, the letters aren't just – it's not a grade for the, you know, unilaterally. It's much yeah. more person to person and the roles they fit into. Expectations and all. Exactly. And Jose Abreu, former MVP – well, reigning MVP, not former MVP. He's the reigning MVP. Uh, you got to expect just a little bit more out of him, especially after last year. I thought, you know, I didn't think he'd come out and do the same thing he did last year, but I thought we'd get, uh, you know, 260 hitting with, you know, a guy who's getting on base at like a 340, 330 clip. And then, you know, someone who's going to put up 35, 40 home runs, 140 RBIs, especially this year, because he's been putting up 120 RBIs with no one in front of him and not having a crazy team. Uh, and now he's got a crazy team around him and he's got people in front of him who are on base all the time. And I just think, you know, you'd like to see him get some more RBIs, but you know, he's got a 117 OPS plus he's leading the team with 15 home runs and 66 RBIs. So he started to pick it up and I love the direction he's going. Yeah, I agree the dude, um, even in a down year, still finding ways to get runs, which I guess is the name of the game. The team that scores the most runs wins, and he's driving them in at a at his normal clip. But I think, yeah, he needs a little bit more of the long ball or just getting on base a little bit more. Yep. Uh, let's talk about Adam Eaton. Just kidding. F, thank God he's gone. God, he was eating more money than a shopaholic on Black Friday. I think that is basically the best way to waste $8 million. Um, without Drake LaRoche to show him the way he really just struggled and you know everyone needs a leader like Drake LaRoche so unfortunately he didn't have him and that showed so maybe you'll be able to find him and uh he'll he'll be able to you know learn something or something from Mr. Little LaRoche. Yeah I think Adam Eden did pretty much what I expected I mean he was injured so I mean I think he would have done a little bit better if he wasn't injured but I mean that's about what I expected I just don't know why we paid him as much as we did when some of the other names were out there. Yeah. I mean, million for, for what, for what really, what, what the fuck are we paying him for? Adam Eaton out there. He, he did what he expected. He did exactly what he thought we would do. I mean, he had a great, I, at first I thought I was going to eat my, you know, eat my words. He started off with a great two weeks. And uh, I mean, when Some you're home runs too. Yeah, when you're Mercedes though, can outlast you in a streak and you both streak the same way where you, play really well for however long you're going to play. And then you start playing really shitty. You got to do well. You have to play really well. And he just, he didn't do that. So uh, he's gone. Thank God. Uh, let's move on. Let's, ooh, excuse me. Let's talk about Nick Madrigal and Nicky Two Strikes. Nicky Two Strikes, I'd probably go B plus. I mean, a little bit slow start to the season. He just didn't quite have the power. Um, pitchers were pitching him up and causing high line drives but I mean they weren't going far enough so like the outfield was able to play in and just fly out after fly out but he adjusted he got a little more pop as the season went along I mean it was like a 300 hitter and he was driving the ball in the gaps he was driving the ball over outfielders heads I was just when he was starting to heat up he uh got hurt so it's a shame but overall I'm really excited to see the player he becomes yeah, I, uh, I put Rip was having a breakout season and got struck down by the injury. So uh, I think huge things come from him in 2022. I think he honestly is 
he looks like this year he's going to have a four, three, three to four uh, war season. And, you know, he was a guy who you drafted with that expectation. He'd be a three to four war guy. If you got that out of him, perfect. That was what they drafted him for was to be, a, you know, a guy with, you know, high floor, not exceptional ceiling. And he's been, you know, basically what he was billed to do. He was, uh, you know, elite contact hitter. That's what he's done. Add a little bit of pop this year. His fielding's gotten better. His base running's gotten better. And those are things that I think get better with time. So we can complain about them now. But, you know, honestly, if the worst things he's got so far, base running and fielding two things that I think you can get better with just over time in the league. You can't teach uh, 300 contact. I mean, I guess you can. Tim Anderson figured it out. But... (laughs) You can't you, – if you're going to teach someone 300 contact, you, you think that Tim Anderson could do that. I just can't wait to see what a guy with his bat-to-ball skills. He's insane. Um, yeah, excited. Uh, move on to the big rookie, Andrew Vaughn. Um, yeah, I probably say B plus, A minus. He really struggled with righties to start. Actually, I'll change it. I'll give him a solid A. For a guy that wasn't even supposed to be starting, was supposed to be – Probably a platoon DH, maybe a backup first baseman. I mean, the dude's absolutely raked. He's killed lefties all year. Now he's starting to hit righties. Single-handedly won that game in Baltimore with uh, Adam Engel. I think he's going to have a huge second half. The fact that you throw a guy that's never played higher than single-A baseball and Major League Baseball and say learn how to hit Major League pitching, learn how to play a completely different position you've never played before, and do it all with a limited spring training and coming off of a COVID year where you didn't even get to play in the minor leagues. Like, I, I don't think we could have expected anything more out of him. Yep. So and um, he's only going to get better. Yeah, I agree. I, I wrote this little blurb last night, um, and I think it stands about as true as it could today. Color me impressed. This man has done everything and more, and in my opinion, should be the front runner for the AL Rookie of the Year, an OPS plus of 112 with his glove and left. And then, I mean, he wasn't even supposed to be there. He's supposed to be a DH, maybe some first base. Outfield felt like a stretch, but boy, does he look like a cornerstone uh, corner outfielder for a long time. He's what we expected Eloy to be in left field. Uh, you know, a guy who's serviceable in the field, not maybe not a gold glove caliber player, but a guy who can just field well, you know, replacement level fielding. But when he gets to the plate, that's where he's at. He really shines, and he's been doing that. So, you know, he might not have the same ceiling of hitting as Eloy does, but, you know, the fact that he can play the field makes him, I think, a better player than Eloy is way more useful. But, again, I that not taking away from Eloy at all. I just think that shows just how versatile and how helpful he's been. When you get a guy who basically steps into the major league role and all of a sudden becomes a guy – who's a utility player, but has an elite bat. It, it's, there's not many people like it. Uh, you know, players similar to that would be, you know, Chris Bryant, you know, type where you can just put him anywhere in the field. Kind yeah, of, first, first, third, left field, right field. Maybe even put him in center if you dire moments of the game or something like that. Everyone's hurt yeah. the emergency center fielder or something like that. But no, he's, he's, been, he's been good. I, very happy with him. Uh, we'll move on to the next group of guys. I, I just grouped these people together because they're all very similar. I think they all get very much the same grade. Uh, Gavin Cheats, Jake Berger, and Adam Engel. And the reason they're all grouped together is because they haven't, you know, played that much this season. But they all have OPS pluses of very similar numbers. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say A-plus for all of them. I mean, Angle has like five home runs in 13 games, and he's also taken one away. I mean, dude just kills the ball from lefties and righties. Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger, there were guys I like, was excited to see but really wasn't expecting anything from either of them. I think they both have a batting average over 300, and Gavin Sheets is – Maybe he doesn't have a batting average over 300, but he's been hitting the ball out. Berger's been driving the ball everywhere. I know he has a batting average over 300. Have been playing spots that we needed in the outfield and third base. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with all of them. Yeah, I would say uh, all of them are sporting OPS pluses north of 130. So, you know, from the hitting perspective, that's basically what two of them are, you know, paid to do. And the other guy, you know, we – excuse me we know his you know we know his gloves gold club caliber and the fact that he's starting to hit he really just has become a, a need to have platoon player and i couldn't be happier to have adam angle on the team happy he's healthy hope he stays healthy uh we got leori garcia up next um i'd probably say a d start to this season and an a finish to it i mean i think he's second in our team in rbis right now the dude was just unwatchable in the first half of the season like I hated seeing him in the lineup every day I think uh, Tony played him way too much he was like in center field every day and that's just not who he is I mean but I mean as of late I mean the dude got his batting average up to 260 I think he's hitting like 300 in his past month or so and dude just drives and runs when we need him to he's been super productive yep I have him as a B composite grade for the full year um, I have similar things started cold got super hot as of late play all nine positions even pitcher I bet you could still drop a decent fastball in there uh you know seems like the perfect utility guy especially when his bat's working like this that's that's pretty much what you got and he's done well and I'm happy that he's still there happy he's picked it up and uh Leori Legend doing great uh we got Zach Collins next um I don't know I want to put him higher because I feel like he he's not a terrible backup catcher but I mean I, I just hate to watch the guy catch. I'd probably put him C, C minus. I mean, the dude is just terrible at catching. I know he caught Carlos Rodon's no hitter, and that was super cool for him. But I mean, the dude, he just needs to be a better catcher. He's so bad. I don't think he can make the postseason roster unless he gets better. Yep. I have him as a C plus, and uh, this is my, my reason why, because he has some really great moments, but for every great moment, it feels like he has two or three bad moments to follow. He's a minus defender, horrible framer, but he's got a decent bat and a platooning split. He's decent. He's got a 98 OPS plus, and he's probably played more than he really should be playing. So 98 OPS plus at the catcher spot, you, you got to take it. Um, but again, you don't really want that because if you're going to be a below average hitter and a below average fielder, then you, I mean, I know you're a backup, but at least be good at one of them. Um <laughs> It really makes me appreciate having Yaz on the team. That's all. Oh, for real. Uh, let's go on to Yoan Moncada. I got, he got buried down here, but then we'll get to some bigger names, too, in a second. Um, Yeah, I'd probably say B. I mean, kind of, again, we said with the Brayu, it's not like he's having a, a B season. I think he's having an all-star caliber season. I feel like he's top two or three in our team in war. But um, just from what I expect of him, I expect the ball to – get out of the park a little bit more, a little more home runs, or just for that batting average and on base percentage to come up. I think he's been great defensively. I think we just need to see a little bit more at the bat. 
Yeah, I uh, I have him actually at an A plus because he's been our best player so far, and I'm just very happy that he's playing well and he's been for the most part healthy. I know he hasn't been you know necessarily the best, but he's also basically on pace for a five war season, and I'd take a five war season for the fact that you know anytime you can get a five war season on anyone, huge. Um, and I think he's got some lingering issues that have like kind of hindered him a little bit. But he's got 123 OPS plus at third base. Um, and the power numbers aren't there, but the OBP is over 400 or around 400. So if you're going to get on base four out of 10 times, if your power numbers aren't there, not the worst thing. I'm happy with what he's done. Yeah, I just, I think, I think of him as a superstar. I think he can be, I predicted him before the season to start to be one of the top three AL American League MVP candidates. And obviously he hasn't been that. Um, I, he was for a little bit. He was driving the ball all over the place in May. I kind of like to see that again. Just be just be the absolute all-star and superstar that he can be. But from what he has been, I, I can't complain at all. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but yeah, we'll move on. We got Danny Mendick now. I, I'd probably kind of go similar grade, probably B minus, just from expectation standpoint. I, uh, I, I, I think next man up, I mean, right after Madrigal went down, it kind of deflated the team for a little bit, and he just was more than serviceable for a long period of time. Do I think he'll continue to be an everyday player and, um, and uh, make the postseason roster? I don't think so. But I think from what we got out of him, I really can't complain. Yeah, I'm going to see. He was doing well to start the year. I wish he got more time at the beginning when he was not getting his playing time. But now that he is, uh, you know, played more, he's struggled. Uh, he's got a 66 OPS plus. I mean, he's fine for what he should be. But I would think for middle infielder, which is what he's listed, he should probably be closer to an 85, 90 OPS plus. You know, you're not asking for that much when you're in the middle infield. They're not as much of a hitting position. It's not like he's a first baseman fighting the OPS plus. So I wish he'd be a little bit better. But again, platoon guy can't complain too much. Um, I'll let you. I'll let you take away Gio for a second here. I want to hear your thoughts on that. On Gio? Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say C C plus. I mean, he's a guy. He was supposed to be our ace. I feel like he could have been an AL Cy Young candidate coming off of where he did last year. I remember the very first game watching him when he was playing the Angels. He just had so much swag on the mound. Like, he just had that dude. And I just haven't seen him with his uh, confidence sense. Like, I'd really like to see him just be a more confident pitcher and go out there and just know that he's our ace. And it just his stuff just hasn't been there for that. But I don't think he's hurt our team at all. I can't give him any worse than a C. I think he's been serviceable. I think he's kept our team in a lot of ball games and outside of a couple outliers is – had pretty decent stats, but again, I feel like he can be an ace if I, th I think he does have the stuff to be an ace. Yeah, I so I have him at a B. I'd probably closer to a B minus. Uh, he hasn't been, you know, bad. He's running a 103 RI plus uh, with a FIP quite literally like 3.99 squeaking under four, but he does have the second best uh, strikeout the walk ratio of the starters this year. And for, you know, a better second half, well, that's what we're going to hope for. The one thing that really makes me nervous, though, is that uh, post, uh, you know, foreign substance checks, he has dropped spin rates pretty pretty hard. 
not that I don't think he can, you know, work without sticky stuff, but it definitely seems like he was using some sticky stuff. Um, so we'll have to, you know, hope that he is going to maintain and play well. I, you know, I believe he can. I think he has the ability to adjust. That's kind of, uh, I think he's one of the smartest pitchers in baseball. I think he's one of the most adaptable pitchers in baseball. He's a metrics guy. He works really well with Ethan Katz. I think they will figure it out no matter what. And I still think I would love to have him in my game three starter right now. But he's someone I would hope can just be a little, like, just better in the second half because I do still think he's a front-of-the-rotation guy. Maybe not an ace per se, but he does have nasty stuff. He's strikeout-to-walk ratio says that. So, I yeah, I mean, he's he's good. I just just want more. That's all. Yeah, he's our longest tenured starter. I'd like a little more, too. I mean, he was our game one starter last year and had an absolute electric performance. I feel like he had a perfect game or no hitter through the seventh or something like yeah, that. Perfect game in the seventh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he can be that guy if he wants. I, I definitely want him starting in the playoffs. I just think, yeah, kind of agree if we could ask a little more out of him. Yep. We'll move on to Dallas Keuchel here, then. Um, I'd probably go B, too. Or maybe B minus. I think he was kind of a guy I expected to take a step back. You kind of knew with the contract you gave him, it was going to pay off more in the front and wear off as uh, obviously his age goes on. Um, I think he has been a guy who has been dominant some starts and kept the other team to one or two runs in six or seven innings and. Even at not his best game, sometimes he gets let up, but I feel like he's doing a pretty good job of keeping our team and uh, win to win every fifth day. And I can't—I don't think you could ask much more out of your fourth or fifth starter. Yeah, I have him with C plus, decent first half. He's literally an average pitcher by ERA plus standards. He is a guy who rocks a 100 ERA plus, and his FIP is a little high. Um, you know, he's running that 473 FIP. I just think that as a guy who he was just so, you know, good last year, it almost feels like without Don Cooper there, maybe he needs more of that old school tutelage. That was his thing. I don't know if he's as much working well with uh, Ethan Katz, but you can only like only really judge him based on how he's played so far this year. He hasn't been great, but he's been far from bad. Um, For a fifth starter, when all your five starters have ERA pluses at a hundred or higher, there's literally no complaints that could be had. Um, for a fifth starter, absolutely fine. He's a guy that's going to go out there and eat innings. You know, he still has, I think he has right around 85 innings, 80, 85 innings. So that's good. That's what you need out of your starter, especially a guy like Keuchel who's going to, you know, throw out of ground balls. He's not going to strike out a ton of people. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel is actually second on our team in innings right now, 97. That makes sense. He keeps his pitch count low because he's a pitch to contact guy. That makes that makes tons of sense. I think Lance Lynn's the first, right? Uh, yes. And then Giolito's third, right? I think Giolito's third, and then I think it's right now. Oh no, I just lost it. I think it is because I think Rodon doesn't qualify, so he doesn't have eighty-nine innings because you have to have one inning for every. Uh, game played to qualify. Actually, believe it or not, Lynn is fourth. I'm looking at the right page. Is this 2021? Yeah, Lynn's actually fourth on our team right now. Wow. How many? How many innings? Cease is, is third. 
Rodan has 89, Lynn has 90, C says 92, Keiko has 97, Gio's in first with 104. Okay. Yeah. Gio, I mean, he's been – people will complain about him, but he has been a bit of a horse working. <laughs> Even though you'll see him get bounced out of some starts, he does – I think he does have a start over, um, you know, Rodan and Lynn because uh, I think of the way they set up the rotation and the innings and everything, I think he pitched an extra game. Uh, but, yeah, he's, you know, he's been fine. You know, Keuchel, inning eater, fifth guy, that's exactly what you want to see. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Lance Lynn would have been fine. I think he missed one start earlier in the year. And if you remember, he started the um, – I think we were playing the Mariners, and then we had a rain out in the second inning, and he only pitched two innings, and then uh, they yeah. just skipped him in the rotation. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I think he's pitched a couple of the double headers. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm not too concerned about his innings. He he eats a lot of pitches, and I think he'll just continue to do more and more. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to Dylan Cease then. Um, Dylan Cease, I. I Kind of with the last few starters we said, I'd probably say a B. He's kind of what I expected him to do. Um, he has all the stuff in the world. I just It feels like he'd be an absolute ace if he just puts it all together, and he hasn't quite done that yet. But, I mean, I feel like he's way ahead of where guys like uh, other guys in our rotation, like Raylo and Rodon and Gio that we've been bringing up have been at this stage in his career. Um, he, he's beat the Tigers. He's beat all the bad teams. He's beat the Twins and the Orioles, and I think you just kind of have to be happy with him beating all the bad teams out of the fourth or fifth spot out of your rotation. I don't think he's ready for a playoff start yet, but, I mean, I don't think he has to be necessarily just at the age of 25. Yeah, I like I said before, I, I find him as a big up-and-down guy. Um, he just can't seem to, like, lock into that Cy Young potential that he's had, and I think he would just be better off for it. Um, but, you know... He is a FIP of 368. It's shooting way below his ERA. His ERA is inflated. It's so, I think it's somewhere like 416 or something like that. It's in the it's like fours, but like low fours, but not super low fours. But yeah, as a guy we all know has Cy Young potential. We're just hoping that he, you know, can get it together just a little bit. But uh, I, you know, I, I can't complain. All right, so that that concludes our player summary of the season. Let's do a little bit of just uh, talk about maybe the all-star game and then talk about the, you know, maybe some award chases, um, you know, MVP, Cy Young, um, some of the standouts like that, um, maybe some all-star game snubs. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yes, yeah, start off with our own guys. I think all four of them are super deserving. Rodon and Lynn have been two of the top three or four pitchers in the American League. I believe Rodon has been the best. Anderson, just from what he's done the past few years, I mean, he's one of the most exciting players in baseball, and all he's done is produce. People keep saying he's going to fall off. He's a bad bit warrior, whatever. I mean, dude just hits year in, year out. He's always contending for a batting title. He's all absolutely a starter. Yeah, at some point, it, you can't use the bad bit. Uh, argument once you get into the third year of having a high BABIP and having a high average, you just become a guy who does hit the ball to the right spots all the time. That's Tim. Uh, Carlos Rodon, I honestly believe that 
if Otani wasn't going for history and doing starting and hitting first or just, you know, playing pitching and, you know, it was more of a history thing than I think a deserving start for him. But I'm not saying he's not deserving. He's an all-star pitcher, irregardless of whether or not he's doing, you know, both sides of the plate. But I definitely think Carlos Rodon should have been the all-star game starter. Um, I also think Lance Lynn could have passed, but I definitely think it should have been one of them. But I can't get too upset about it. You know, I think, again, um, Otani's just, you know, a unicorn. And uh, he's been so crazy this year. Uh, it's so much fun to watch. And, uh, you know, fuck Stephen A. Smith, whatever he says about that shit. <laughs> Interpret yeah. or not. Yeah, I mean, going back to Anderson, what you, like you've been saying about just his stats, I mean, he's kind of like the Devin Booker of, like, baseball where like Devin Booker is like hey you shouldn't be hitting that many mid-range shots it's inefficient you shouldn't be making that many and then he just keeps making them and consistently just scores and puts 30 pieces on everyone yeah it's like same thing with Tim Anderson like yeah he shouldn't be getting as many hits with the ball he's getting in play but he does he just hits the ball hard he swings early and counts he doesn't always take walks and it works yep but, I, um, I would say that's that's true He's also a guy who's aggressive in his count. He's not going to wait for the pitcher to get up two strikes on him before swinging. He jumps on a lot of first pitches. And, you know, uh, at some point you got to recognize that's a big strategy for him is making sure he's aggressive early in the count. And then he's a guy who still has great uh, bat-to-ball skills, you know, with the athleticism he has, the hand-eye coordination. You can work on and develop that a little bit. Um, and, you know, for a guy that just kind of has – basically just been growing and still has tons of room to grow. I think as a player, he can still think he'll be a guy who, you know, we'll see a season where he goes for seven war, I think. And he hits 300 with 25 home runs and 80 RBIs with 30 stolen bases or something like that. That's very much like a capability for him. I just think if he can put it all together for a year, that's, that's what his capabilities are. We'll see. I do, you know, think he's super deserving, and he very much is the White Sox. That's that's him. He is the White Sox. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, in terms of starter, I have no problem with it being Otani. Like you said, fuck Stephen A. Smith. Uh, he's he's the face of baseball right now. He's been the most fun player to watch this year. Super lovable dude. Um, I do think just in terms of performance as a pitcher – um, Carlos Rodon's that dude. He's been the best pitcher from the no hitter. So again, like I said, just no drop off whatsoever with the whole sticky stuff ban. Um, low ERA, just coming out of nowhere. Great story. I think he's the starter, but I have no problem with it being uh, Otani at all. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I would like it just because, you know, one, he's deserving, and two, I think he also has a great storyline behind it. But I, again, I'm not going <laughs> to. There's, there's many hills I would die on to fight and argue other statistical or other snubs. Like, I think Yasmani Grandal not being on the all-star team, even now he's hurt, but it, not being on the team originally, I think was crazy, but whatever. We'll get past it. Um, I think we'll we'll look at some of the MVP favorites right now. I think uh, it's Otani and uh, Guerrero Jr. They're pretty much the one and two. I don't think you could separate them. Uh, from being too different. I think that uh, Otani's just continuing to do what he does. He's pretty much the standaway favorite right now. I think if you were putting Vegas odds on him, he's like a minus 300. And, you know, 
he's that guy right now, and he's just continued to play well. Let's hope that the uh, home run derby doesn't fuck up his swing too much. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I'm very excited to see that shake out. I think uh, both of those guys are going to have fun ends of the year. Hopefully, uh, you can see the Angels start to sneak back in towards a playoff spot, maybe a little bit of a wild card chase. I highly doubt it just because of how good the AL East is. And I think both, they're going to take up both the wild card spots, but you can always hope. I mean, it'll probably be between Houston uh, and Oakland on that side. And I don't think Oakland wins it, but if they buy the right people at the deadline, they might be able to sneak into a playoff spot. You never know. Oakland's that team that just always seems to make it into the playoffs, just like Tampa or when they do make it to, uh, to a point where you think they shouldn't be good, they're good. So I think that uh, it would be cool to see them get back into it, but I just don't see that being something crazy like that happening. You know, I agree. I think Shohai is the man right now. Guerrero's kind of close. In the National League, I feel like you have to give it to DeGrom. I know he's a pitcher. You need to give it to a hitter, maybe uh, Tatis or Muncy or Castellanos or something, but I think DeGrom and Shohei, the two uh, super hitting pitchers have just got to be the, the your guys right now for MVPs. Yeah. And then for the Cy Young favorites in the AL, I think it pretty much goes 1A, one, one 1B, one Lynn, and Rodon. And then I think the three would be uh, Kyle Gibson of Texas. Garrett Cole, <laughs> I mean oh. – uh, Great start against Houston, but I just, you know, I feel just inclined to not add him in here because I understand that lots of pitchers use sticky stuff. I understand that the White Sox have a fair share of players that do. I'm not, you know, every team does. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm not blind to that, but it is funny to the extent that I would definitely say I, I, I don't think that he would be, you know, a Cy Young guy. I think the same thing. I'm kind of annoyed that, you know, just got to deny it, right, Lucas? You gotta, can't let Josh Donaldson say that shit. But, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's – I would say Gibson also. Uh, he has a great ERA, and he's been working really well out there in Texas. And I think it's funny because Texas would have had – they would have had two guys in the side. But they sent them out here to us, so we'll take it. Um, as for the uh, NL MVP, right now, I honestly am – I, I was going to say Acuna would be my favorite, but ACL, he's done. Oh, yeah. So. He was my preseason prediction for MVP, so super sad to see him He was go having down. a great year, too. I just – it sucks. That's something that's – like, you just hate to see that because, you know, he's a guy who just happens to be, you know, a guy who just – he rakes all the time, just continues to rake. He's so good, so entertaining to watch. Uh, the Braves suck this year as well. That's sad, but – yeah. Uh, NL MVP favorite, probably DeGrom now. Uh, if DeGrom just pitches the innings and gets through the year with a sub two ERA, I think he wins the MVP and the Cy Young. I don't think there's anyone really contesting him on the Cy Young, but Kevin Gossman has been very good as well. Uh, Woodruff from Milwaukee. Woodruff, he's, he's, he's up there as well, but I think it's really – I would say it's pretty much Gossman and DeGrom. Uh, just because I would agree that Woodruff's up there and I think Woodruff's better than Gossman and I would put him ahead of him. But in terms of um, just, you know, getting national attention and the Writers Association does focus a lot on the national attention. 
we would see probably Gossman just because the Giants have been getting that uh, notoriety from him as well. Uh, but yeah, I think that the um, NL is a lot harder to figure out who the second person would be. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't really have a, a guy that it could be. It could be a couple guys. Uh, it could be Tatis. It could be, um, I don't know, you could pick one out of four Dodger players. Monty, yeah. Cassianos, Winker, Crawford, maybe. They all got to be there. They're, they're, they're all in that, like, second tier kind of. You're really hoping for them. I think it pretty much goes Tatis and DeGrom are one, two. I think DeGrom's one, Tatis two. And yeah. then you, you go down the list a little bit. But uh, it'll be exciting to see how that shakes out because DeGrom right now rocking, running for that sub one ERA. Uh, Kyle Gibson, or not Kyle Gibson. Um, what's, I, I'm going to mess this name up and it's going to annoy me. What was the, uh, he was in the uh, African leagues. Oh, what's his name? Mm, I have no idea. The starting pitcher who's in like 1960s. I'm the fact that I don't know. Sorry, say it me. was Gibson. It was Gibson, right? Yeah. What's his first name though? Oh, I don't. Bob um, Gibson. Was there. Yeah, there it is. I I got that out before you did. That's all I, I care about. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I I remember. Uh, but yeah, that that's fun. Second half of the season will be super entertaining. Lots of fun storylines to check on. I don't think the White Sox are going to have too much entertaining storylines to check on. I think they're just going to tick down those magic numbers until it gets down to zero. And I think that could happen as early as the end of August, uh, probably around August 25th-ish could be a clinching time um, in terms of clinching a playoff spot for them, just because I think that they will continue to grow the lead. I think that he, Cleveland drops down. And I, I really don't think there's any other team in this division that's going to be close. And I think the Sox just get a little bit better as they go forward. But we'll, we'll see. I don't think that's too much to go for on them. But we can talk a little bit about Colson Montgomery, the most recent draft pick for the White Sox, the first round. First prep school player drafted since Courtney Hawkins. Oh, boy. Don't bring back too many memories. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of the piggyback of what you said. I don't think I have a lot. I think the only team American League Central that's not going to be sellers at the deadline. I mean, even the Indians might be. We're the only team with a positive run differential, and it's over 100. Um, but Montgomery, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I actually um, am pretty close friends with a uh, Kentucky basketball fan on Twitter who's from Indiana and is actually his cousin. And I've got a, a little scoop on him. I mean... The dude, he led his team to a, a state title, and as soon as his uh, won the championship, all his teammates went out partying, and he just went straight to a draft combine, and he's just been put in work. He's gone through a lot. He's a super lovable kid. Reminds me a lot, if I had to give a player comp, of Corey Seager, just from the tall stature, the power left-handed swing from shortstop. Um, another one, I let me know if this sounds familiar, but... He's a multi-sport athlete, could have been a D1 basketball player, plays shortstop. He has can play different positions. People are going to say maybe he should play third or second or center field. I was going to say, I would, I would agree most of the way through, but I think Tim's just a little bit different in the fact that I think Tim's a lot yeah. more versatile. He's a lot faster. 
he definitely fills out that uh, what is he six one? He's six one like one eighty five. I yeah. only know that because he's he's right around my size, uh, weighs more than me, but like my height ish. So I know that like you know that for his frame, he's very agile, very fast. He's a guy that just you know can do all that. And uh, Colson's six four. So he's a yeah. little bit bigger, a little bit harder to be as agile. Not that he isn't. I know he's a great athlete. Basketball obviously proves that you have the agility and athleticism. I'm sure he has a good first step. I think he could be a shortstop in the majors, but I just don't think he is for the Sox. Honestly, um, if I had to say anything about uh, him, probably gets traded at some point, I think, just because I don't think the Sox are going to put him at second. I don't think that he's going to play third for him. He might, maybe he takes over from Moncada, but if Moncada continues playing uh, the way he is, he's not going to be a very expensive player to re-sign. And they have Moncada through 24, 26, right? We have Moncada through 26 and Tim Anderson through 25. Yeah. I think both, I think they re-signed Tim as well. So maybe he comes in, but I, the thing is, you know, I think he'll be MLB ready by 24. That puts his ETA at 25. So maybe right around when Tim's there at his contract date. But I just, again, uh, I don't think Tim gets past his prime by 2025. And I think they resign him. I don't think they resign him for a ton of money. And I don't think he's going to command a ton of money from other teams. So I just end up seeing Colson Montgomery getting shipped off for a big piece in the future. Cause I think he'll be one of the higher rated prospects the Sox have right now the highest rated prospect the Sox have is actually Jared Kelly yeah I would say that Jared Kelly is not worth the highest rated prospect on the Sox thing no. I, would, I would say it's Yolkai soon yeah Yolkai Yoliqui Yolkai what you know one of those Cespedes we'll just call him that because I know that's how you pronounce his last yeah. <laughs> uh him, I know Brian Ramos has actually done pretty well in Double A. He's been hitting well. He's been uh, he's been playing well. I, or he might be in he might be in High A. I think he's in Double A. I'm not 100 percent sure, but he's uh he's looking good. I think he's also a third. He's an he's an infielder as well, third base, shortstop area. Another guy who I could very much see them moving uh, in the near future to acquire potentially a Adam Frazier or Rodriguez deal. Um, I would just say the one untouchable prospect the Sox really have in terms of actual prospects, not players on their major league roster right now is Yoliqui. I think he's the only untouchable mostly because I don't, I, I know that he's just a guy they have a lot of uh, upside in. They think he's going to be really good. And then at the corner outfield spots right now, there's a little bit of room to work. So uh, he, as a right fielder, he profiles into potentially having a spot on this team either next year or in 2023. And he'll be a big part, I think, of the middle or, you know, five, six spot in the lineup. And I don't think he'll get traded, but I could see basically anyone else is available. Uh, you could trade Jared Kelly, Brian Ramos, Maker Adolfo. Um, you could even look at some of the prospects drafted this year. You could even trade a guy like Gavin Sheets if you needed to. Uh, I know Jake Berger's probably not going to get traded just because of the sentimental value he has to the organization. Yeah. Even though he might not be the best prospect, but I understand the idea of not wanting to trade him. I don't think he's going to, I don't think anyone's going to be coming to the White Sox asking for Jake Berger specifically. Anyways, I think yeah. if you want to take Jake Berger, you'll take Gavin Sheets or you'll take uh, Brian Ramos. 
Jake Berger is a great player and nothing against him, but I just don't think he commands the type of, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be sought out for in the trades. I think that would definitely be some of the other players. Uh, Jared Kelly probably will have to be part of a trade. And I think that it, we might also have to move maybe like a Mick or Adolfo or Brian Ramos. I know both of them have been talked about as being guys that get moved. And you might even have to send a guy like Garrett Crochet out, um, which I wouldn't be the most opposed to. But I also am very nervous that the Sox send him off and he figures everything out and becomes Jacob DeGrom-esque pitcher. But I, again, wouldn't be opposed to him going somewhere, depending on who we get. If we get a guy who's controlled past the year, we re-sign the guy, I would have no issues departing with Garrett Crochet. Yeah, I don't mind leaving Crochet either, except for the value that he gives to our bullpen right now. Yeah, um, I think if we do get rid of him, we need to add a bullpen arm just because our bullpen's kind of already shaky as it is, and he's been one of the better arms. Another name I'd look for us to get rid of potentially is Matthew Thompson. I've seen him in a couple trade offers or um, mock trades, but I going back to uh, our boys Montgomery, and who was the other guy we just drafted? It was – We have um, a guy named Wes. Wes Cash? Yes, that's – Yeah, I mean, I think both of them, I mean – they, by the time they're ready, four or five years, if Anderson and Moncada are ready to be resigned, I think, one, they'll either have a whole lot of trade value or, two, I mean, we see what our minor league team is doing right now with a guy like Gavin Sheets who's been a lifelong first baseman and trying him in the outfield. We're taking Jake Berger and putting him at second. I mean, Chris Getz down there is stressing positional just versatility and being able to put guys in different spots and maybe one of these guys is a right fielder or a first baseman or second baseman or whatever in a couple of years I think they have all kinds of potential and if not I think they'll get a huge haul yeah I the only thing I could say is that potentially the longer you hold on to someone you run the risk of them either not panning out like the way you thought and then you want to keep it not that scouts aren't going to have a great idea but when you're drafting a guy out of prep he's definitely much more valuable out of prep than he is if he's played, you know, minor league games and you can tell he's not a great hitter. But that's yeah. pretty much all I had uh, for this with uh, basically everything we just went through is the full episode. So that's that would be episode one, a little bit of uh, all-star game, all-star week uh, round out. So it's a lot longer than I think most of the episodes I try to do are. So, but nice little two-hour Sox talk session right there. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, happy with our first half. The White Sox are in first, in first place in the American League, in the American League Central. And it's going to be at least that way until Friday. And we got our boys coming back. We got Yaz coming back. We got Eloy and Luis coming back. And we're hopefully going to make a trade or two, and we'll have a lot more to talk about. So appreciate yeah. you having me on, and I'm excited for a second half of White Sox. Yeah, of course. And I assume you'll probably be one of the more reoccurring guests, but yeah. All right, thank you. Yep. All right. Good night, Sox fans. Thank you for listening to the On the Board podcast episode one. Um, it was a pretty long episode. I lo- <laughs> took a while to research a lot of the statistics, and I, I really did want to make sure we got some of those in. I really appreciate Matt. Uh, you can find Matt on Twitter at MattSackBBN. Um I will have his Twitter in the description as well. I would really like to thank uh, him for spending that hour plus time uh, just getting through some 
pretty significant talk about the White Sox and about the MLB as a whole this year, and uh, I'm excited to get ready and start recording the next one. I have a couple people lined up for guests that I might have on next. Um, we'll probably be recording that episode probably after the weekend, after the Sox start playing again. Otherwise, we're not going to have too much to talk about in a different way from what has been going on. So thank you for listening. Uh, tune in next time, and I will make sure to update that on my Twitter at Connor Devlin um, on Twitter. Yeah. So thank you, and have a good one.